Hi, everyone. Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Following the outcome of the latest Fed policy meeting, we thought it would be timely and helpful to connect with colleagues from within the UBS Chief Investment Office for reflections on what we heard from the central bank, how markets have been responding, what the road ahead for monetary policy might look like, as well as considerations when it comes to positioning your portfolio. So joining us for today's conversation, glad to welcome Brian Rose, Senior Economist for the Americas. We also have with us Barry McAlinden, Senior Fixed Income Strategist for the Americas, as well as David Lefkowitz, Head of Equities for the Americas. So uh, with that, gentlemen, thank you very much for spending some time with our listeners and their clients today to share your thoughts and insights. So uh, with that, we'll get right to it. Brian, reflecting on this meeting's statement and the press conference, which followed. What exactly did you take away and what are your expectations for monetary policy from here, uh, namely the timing of rate cuts? Well, to lead with the conclusion, our base case remains that the Fed will cut 100 basis points this year with the first cut at the May meeting. This was a very interesting day for uh, for the FOMC. So the FOMC statement took out the tightening bias, which opens up the door to possible rate cuts. And, but it said that they need to become more confident on inflation before they start to cut rates. And that seemed to suggest that they weren't likely to cut in March. And in the post-meeting press conference, Fed Chair Powell confirmed this, saying you know, with unusual clarity that a rate cut wasn't likely in March. Uh, he made a lot of other very interesting comments. I would say the most important of those is that the Fed's okay with growth remaining strong as long as inflation continues to slow. So the combination we had last year, strong growth, slowing inflation, this doesn't happen very often. But the Fed's saying, well, as long as we're lucky enough to have this combination, let's just let it uh, ride. And again, as long as inflation uh, continues to run the way it has over the last six months, uh, Fed can start to uh, start to cut rates, even if economic growth is strong, even if the, the labor market uh, is, uh, is strong. Uh, I'd also note that uh, this morning we had uh, one of the key data releases for the Fed, the Employment Cost Index for the fourth quarter. This is uh, the best measure of wage growth that we had, and it did show wage growth accelerating, uh, sorry, decelerating, and uh, this is really important for the Fed. You know, they want to see um, wage, wage growth slowing a bit before they start to, to cut rates. So it seems like everything is uh, on track for the Fed to start cutting this year, but just that they want to see a little bit more inflation data, and they're probably not going to cut in March. Brian, thank you for the clarity in terms of what we heard from the Fed today, helping us to manage expectations as for what the road ahead might have in store. So with that, let's turn over to the markets side of it, beginning with fixed income markets. As mentioned, we do have with us Barry McAlinden. So Barry, from what you've picked up on, how have fixed income markets responded to the meeting outcome and what kind of allocation is CIO recommending at the moment? 
Yeah, Dan, it was actually a pretty eventful day in the Treasury bond market, uh, even before the Fed statement. So Treasury yields were pretty considerably lower this morning. Uh, early in the day, the two-year and five-year were down about 12 and 10 basis points, respectively. The 10-year was below uh, 4%. I think it stemmed from uh, negative news out of a U.S. regional bank um, that kind of sparked a, a flight to quality trade uh, in the bond market, as well as, you know, the Treasury quarterly refunding statement that took place um, that was kind of in line with market expectations. You know, they said that their size of auctions for three-year notes, uh, 10-year notes, uh, 25-year bonds, or 30-year bonds, um, you know, would be $121 billion in size, that's up from 112 billion in the prior uh, quarterly refunding, but kind of in line with the market. So I think that was viewed to be a bit benign from the market uh, perspective. Uh, and then, you know, the, the pricing of a, of a March cut, according to the Fed Fund futures, so, you know, as of yesterday was about a 40% chance. And then after that news this morning, and it increased uh, north of 70%. Um, and then, of course, we had the Fed uh, statement, uh, uh, which it kind of reverted back towards about 50 percent. And then the press conference, when it now it's, uh, you know, when, when Powell, you know, basically said that the, the likelihood of a, a March cut, you know, uh, is, is not there, um, we're, we're about 35 percent. So it has been some volatility in, in, in rates. Um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of our view going forward, you know, I think this really just illustrates, you know, our, you know, kind of our overall outlook, you know, as you're thinking about 2024, um, you know, we do think that the trajectory is going to be uh, lower for Treasury bond yields as, you know, the Fed uh, will eventually commence the, the easing uh, cutting cycle. However, you know, don't expect this to be a straight line lower in interest rates um, by any stretch. Uh, you know, our, our range that we've been uh, communicating for the 10-year has been a 375 to, to four and a quarter percent. And, um, that, you know, that would be in the near term. And then longer term, you know, looking for the 10-year to head towards about three and a half uh, by year end. Now, with the overall trend lower in yields, you know, CIO's recommendation is for adding interest rate risk. Um, particularly if you do see rates uh, kind of move higher uh, in, the, in the short term. So among the different uh, sectors uh, in uh, the tax well fixed income, you know, universe, uh, you know, the focus has really been on higher quality uh, segments. And um, by these, you know, we're really talking about areas such as agency mortgage-backed securities, as well as uh, commercial mortgage-backed securities. So CMBS, which was a, a new recommendation, um, you know, to a kind of a most preferred view. Uh, and then the third high-quality sector is investment-grade corporates. I think we can make a distinction, though, where, you know, credit spread compression has already largely occurred for the credit-sensitive areas, including investment-grade corporates. So we're not really looking for any additional spread compression to occur uh, for that sector. Whereas, you know, think about agency MBS and CMBS, um, there is potential you know, we think for some spread compression just based on the underperformance that these sectors have experienced, uh, you know, particularly last year, uh, as interest rate uh, volatility was a driver of that underperformance. And eventually, as we get clarity uh, towards the future Fed path, uh, once they actually, you know, start uh, the first cut, you know, driven by the economic data, 
Or do you think that um, you know those sectors, those uh, two particular uh, sectors, um, you know, can see some some spread compression? But overall, you know, we think that you're going to see you know carry um, you know the income that the asset class offers is going to be the main driver of their total return. Uh, again, stick with high quality. Uh, and in terms of you know curve positioning, you know, really favoring kind of that five-year area of the yield curve. But certainly doing a barbell of kind of a short end, one to three year plus a seven to 10 year would also work well. Well, Barry, thank you for the guidance there on positioning within fixed income and for sharing some thoughts on the market response today. So as mentioned, we also have David Lefkowitz joining us. So David, I do want to get your take on the equity side of it. So rolling a few questions into one. So David, I'll ask you reflections on the response we witnessed today. Has it at all impacted your longer term outlook? And what are your recommendations as far as positioning within equities at the moment? Okay, thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's important to look at today's reaction and, and recognize that there were a, a few different factors at play. Um, we're we're really in the middle of earnings season, really in the thick of it right now. Um, and then obviously we we have the Fed news. So you know, first let's just take the earnings impact. Um, you know, I think it's important to recognize the stocks were already down about three three quarters of a percent uh, before the Fed meeting. Um, and that was largely due to, you know, what I would say, uh, you know, market reaction to tech earnings. Um, the tech earnings were, I thought, generally fine. It's just that I think it's important to recognize that, you know, the, a lot of these stocks had done well going into earnings season or into their earnings reports. And to some extent, maybe there had been some elevated expectations going into the actual earnings prints. Um, you know, so we saw a little a little give back as a result for some specific names, um, and then we had the Fed meeting, um, and then and then that's when equity market losses extended a bit further, and you know the the S and P 500 finished down about 1.6 percent on the day, um, you know, and again it's about a percent, you know, so they fell about a percent um, from before the Fed meeting till till the close. Um, and as Brian pointed out, you know, I, I think the, the key headline here was that, you know, no March rate cut. And I think that's what uh, that's what sort of prompted some of the, the selling after the Fed meeting. You know, I, I would say just, you know, I wouldn't lose sight of the big picture here. Right? I mean, inflation progress has been very good. The rate cuts are coming. Uh, and we think that'll help extend the economic expansion. And, and to a certain extent, this less than 1% drop in stocks after the Fed meeting, I mean, that's a pretty small price to pay to have what we think is a more realistic starting point for the Fed rate cuts, you know, something more like the May meeting as opposed to the March meeting. I I would also point out that, you know, we we also ended the month of January. Stocks are, you know, they had a decent month, right? Gains of uh, about a a 1.5% for the month of January. So I, I would just, you know, keep, Keep it in perspective. And then I would also say, you know, unlike the last couple of years, um, you know, this is this is a very different situation with the Fed. The Fed was hiking interest rates and and afraid that inflation was problematic. Um, And now we have the Fed in a very different position. If they need to cut rates, they can easily do that now. And and, and as I said, we do expect that they will uh, execute on that later this year. So it's the old saying, you know, don't fight the Fed. Uh, I think that 
that's going to be more of a market support this year. So our base case, uh, no change. You know, we think stocks can rise moderately this year based upon good economic growth, improving earnings growth, those Fed rate cuts coming. Um, and, you know, I do think you have to recognize valuations are are high. We think they're they're fair given the generally benign backdrop. Um, so what we would say is stay invested, have a full allocation, but if you want to add to positions, wait for, for a better entry point. In terms of our, of our positioning within the markets, we, uh, from a sector perspective, uh, we do like tech, we like energy. Um, we also want to round out some of that positioning with, with some defensive exposure, so that's why we like consumer staples. Uh, and then uh, we also do like small caps, which are just very cheap relative to their own history and uh, and a huge discount to large caps. And we think they should be key beneficiaries of this environment where earnings growth is improving, uh, Fed is cutting interest rates. Um, and we think especially we could see sort of a, an improvement in, in the good side of the economy later this year. That's, that's going to be an important driver for uh, just earnings in general um, and, and small cap as well. So with that, Dan, I'll turn it back to you. David Lethkowitz, Barry McAlinden, Brian Rose, thank you all for dropping by UBS on Air Market Moves to share your timely thoughts and the positioning guidance with our listeners and clients. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you again. Now for our listeners and clients, please be sure to visit UBS.com slash CIO for market insights, including blogs and publications from the UBS Chief Investment Office. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.